0: Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week, I'm joined here by Dwayne. What's up? Yo, yo, what's up? So, we, we, uh, this is a longer episode, because we gotta make up for the fact that we we had, yeah, we, we, this is our longest, this is our longest hiatus in our three years of podcasting.
1: Yeah, well, man, sometimes you gotta you gotta fight through what you gotta fight through,
0: Sebastian. Listen, man, I wear a mask. Inside of my inside, what was that gonna do with the podcast? Nothing.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't catch it, you know. <laughs> Clean your microphone. You're probably I, caught uh, it from the microphone. You probably had it. It's probably been walking around since Kansas City two years ago. <laughs> uh
0: yeah, it's it's crazy. It was I was out for for a little bit. Um Caught caught some COVID. Um caught like COVID one 0. All the all the symptoms lost my lost sense of taste, lost sense of smell, lost everything. It was it was it was it was a really bad feeling. Make
1: sure you wear a mask around Sebastian if you see him. No, no, I'm over it now, it's done.
0: <laughs> I I hit that quarantine period and I'm done now.
1: I'm good to get it's go. funny that we we have the now that people like Stopped wearing masks. When you see people with masks, you're like, yo, y'all sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm, yo. <laughs> I feel like you want to go take a shower after you see somebody with masks. <laughs> like,
0: it's, so, it's so weird now. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So uh, not a whole lot of soccer going on, right? At this point, we're all pretty much kind of shut down a little bit.
1: Yeah, dude, I haven't been to training in like a minute. I've been chilling. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind outside. of been nice. It's cold outside. Yeah, I mean, listen, I was talking to, I actually ran into one of my families uh, a couple of days ago at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, shout out to Outback Steakhouse. Now you don't eat steak, but they got this thing on Wednesdays. You get a nice little six-ounce steak and some fries and a beer. 14 bucks. That's not bad. Dude, What? I said, "How do I like?" I saw an ad on Instagram. I was like, "There's no way." Yeah, we pulled that's up and they got it.
0: Don't have when you don't have training sessions during the week. What you discover about the world?
1: Yeah, I know, right? Because I train every Wednesday, so that's probably yeah. why I never heard about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I want to. Like, I love trivia and I want to do trivia, but uh, but you know, I usually have training. <laughs>
1: About to tell Josh, man, I'm gonna have to have off one Wednesday a month.
0: <laughs> one Wednesday <laughs> a month so you can get your fourteen dollar steak.
1: Yeah. We yeah. gotta have a coaches meeting or something.
0: Blooming onion and get yourself a blooming onion?
1: No, I don't fool with the blooming onion. No, that's not you. Nah. But yeah, man, dude, a beer, fries, and a steak. Good for you. Good for you. All right. Well what else have I figured um, out? Well, anyway, back to my story. Okay. Um, yeah, we were talking to the parents. I was like, Yeah, we don't like the cold is they were talking about i guess they went to like the southampton cup or something they said they did a tournament okay it's cold i said yeah i only do college showcases in the cold because it's that one game a day you're in you're yeah. in and out you're only outside for like two hours yeah you're in and you're out i mean that that fc delco and that pimp fusion showcase we've been on the sidelines It's been brutal out there yeah i remember the first year i was with you and you and uh chad chad and we were at that fc delco showcase we got cooked by OC Doka. We played like the ECNL team. We got cooked by them, and it was freezing. I couldn't feel my toes.
0: Remember two years? What was it? Two years ago? confusion
1: where the kids were going to the car. And remember it was just, just me and just you. On was,
0: us, it was just me and you. Yeah, that that day, I I had I had, uh, I had my scooter. Remember, I had that was I was uh, I was just out of my surgery too, right? Maybe I don't know. Did you scoot over there? Yeah, I had the scooter. I was I was in the boot.
1: Uh, dude, I just remember it was so cold the kids were like, yo, I'm going to the car and we're like, yo, just text it, we'll text you we'll hit team snap when we need you to sub in and then all of you see on team staff, yo, we left <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the game, we didn't that, even shake hands we just went to the car No coaches that coach day, was, was, like, yeah, that let's day just was bad
0: I don't know what happened, but that day was really bad yeah just think it was a lack of preparedness from the kids I just don't, don't, don't think the kids were ready
1: well, I also think that, like, we played at USTC and there was just nothing but open land. <laughs> yeah. And we played on that one. Yeah. We played on that turf field that goes the other way. Yeah. 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 That was it was tough. brutal. But yeah, I don't, I, we don't do the cold, man. Got, got indoor training ready to start in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I have a indoor league that starts next, next week, um, with the, with the girls. And then oh, I got to sign up for one. And then, um, Pretty much after that, you know, we just we just do some indoor workouts. And that's pretty much it. I mean, if, if it's nice out, we'll we'll go out um, for some technical training and stuff like that. But outside of that, nothing really. So it's it's the nice the nice part is is that by the time you know everything rolls around, you you know you got MLK Day in the middle there, uh, you got President's Day, and then boom, the season is ready. The the season's there for the girls. So so we yeah, it's only probably. Six weeks. I
1: guess yeah. I guess now that you put it that way, I gotta start ramping up my training soon. Yeah. So I can get these girls prepared for for high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're probably only eight or nine weeks away from the high school. these if I really had to look at it. We're probably not far off from that. So um Yeah, I probably need to go update probably need to update my schedule. <laughs> I'd be good. Uh well, um, I ended up doing an interview. Uh, this morning I recorded with Leo um Marinello from Conrad him and I have known each other for a long time uh we used to we used to split kirkwood uh we used to split the kirkwood turf field um we would have a six of it each um uh and those nights where where there was not a whole lot of lights out there at kirkwood and he was at, he was coaching at kirkwood at the time and I was coaching at Delaware FC. uh so uh so yeah so we I talked to him about Conrad and just in general coaching and um and the balance
1: rival coach at rival club sharing a turf field.
0: Yep. Um. Well, <laughs> kind of, kind not really. We weren't really rival clubs. Not at that time. Rivals. Not at that time. Not at that time. So, so yeah, it was good. It was a good time. So uh, yeah. So let's listen to that interview with me and Leo. All right, with us today we have probably one of those people around the state of Delaware that I think everybody knows, uh, for me personally, he's the one person that, um, when I was coach, when I started coaching on the girl side, I was like, all right, I got to find scrimmages. Um, I got to find the right balance, but I really want to play against coaches that I know are going to coach their teams well, and they're going to get the point of a scrimmage and, and, and preseason. And, uh, Leo Marianiello is is definitely one of those coaches, and Leo's on the podcast today from Conrad Boys and Girls Soccer. Leo, what's going on?
2: Nothing much, man.
0: Thanks for having me. Man. It's quite an honor. I mean, listen, I I I tell my players every single year. Uh, we're now. We've just now scheduled our third, uh, our third uh, preseason scrimmage for the girls. Uh, yeah. Our third. Our third yearly. We got. to We got to. We got to give it. We. We should do like a little. We should do a little mini cup or something like that, where that we just gotta give each other at the end of it. I think I think that'd be fun, right? Yeah. Just uh, just a, nothing nothing crazy. Like we can go to the dollar store and find like a, a simple little trophy. Uh, but but I think that would be good. But I tell my I tell my players all the time, and I was like, listen, we play Conrad because they're like, why do we play Conrad? It like, seems so like interesting. And I was like, we play Conrad because they're well coached, uh, and I like to play against well coached teams, and because it makes the preseason way better. Uh, so Leo, let's talk about uh the boys' season. How did it go? Um, I know we had a really, really, really good game against our, against each other. Went to overtime, last couple minutes, It was really close.
2: Uh, but how did the boys' season go? And then we'll we'll talk about the girls in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we ended up finishing eleven and six, uh, including the postseason. So we were the number seven seed. We won our first round game against Concord. Uh, And then we got knocked out by a really strong Wilmington friends team in the, uh, in the quarters, but it was, yeah, we matched season highs in terms of number of wins in terms of progression in the state tournament, kind of uh, equaling our, our previous bests. Uh, We had three players make all state, which is the most we've ever had. We had eight players make all conference. Um, I think we finished the season with like 52 goals. Uh, So I think we were tied for second in the state. So it was a lot of, there's a lot of positives. Um, and we are, we got about 90% of our goal production coming back. All three of our all state players are juniors. Um, so we're excited for next year, but our, we had a, a great senior class as well. That was, uh, our goalkeeper, our center backs, um, our defensive center mid, we're, we're graduating quite a few, quite a few key guys, not only in terms of on the field, but off the field. Because um, these seniors, they came in their freshman year was COVID year,
0: yeah,
2: um, and so we weren't really able to do a lot of the things we normally like to do as a team when they were freshmen, and they kind of it was a brief, it was a bit of a rebuild in terms of culture, uh, just because so much of our the, the stuff that we like to do team culture wise was kind of interrupted and not even allowed uh, yeah. during that season, and so for them to be able to. Help kind of get the team back to where we were before COVID. We had made three straight tournament appearances going into the COVID year, um, and now to kind of two straight state tournament appearances the last two years. It's uh, it's it's a good place to be right now.
0: That's great. And you're also a teacher at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find that balance? Because I just started. This is my first year teaching. Uh, so you know, having that balance of being able to see the kids. on a a daily basis around the school but how do you how do you balance that and how this is your what year are you in from a coaching
2: standpoint at conrad and from a teaching standpoint at conrad yeah so this is my 14th year teaching at conrad i'm a high school math teacher Uh, so this year i teach algebra one ap statistics and we do a dual enrollment class with dell tech it's math 152 and so it's really cool being able to see players on a daily basis they'll kind of pop in. Uh, we'll just, maybe I have quite a few, I have quite a few of them as students, but they'll also just kind of pop in and check in throughout the day, uh, see how things are going. Um, this is my 10th year as head coach. Um, I was for assistant for four years before that. Um, and so it's, it's cool to be able to, to kind of see them regularly. And it's, I feel like that's one of the, the positives Um, compared to the club scene is club scene. Maybe you only get to see them three times a week, high school. Sometimes I see him six days a week.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And so being able to gives us a, it gives me a better opportunity to check in on kind of some of the outside stuff that's going on, how their, how their academics are going how their home life is going. Um, It's it makes it, it allows that that relationship to be a little bit more than just soccer.
0: Well, and it's got to be interesting too—the fact that um, they get to they get to probably come see you, like you mentioned before. You they get to come see you throughout the throughout the school day as well. Um, and I think it's do you find it that it's um, that it's one of those things where you get to keep. Uh, trying to rephrase the question now because i lost my train of thought um do you feel like do you feel like your uh coach leo and like teacher leo are two separate people or do you feel like it's the same like do you feel like you're teaching how you're coaching or you're coaching how you're teaching or do you feel like it's two separate things at that point
2: players have told me that it's very similar it's just math versus soccer but it's pretty much it's very similar um, and I've done some new classroom dynamic things this year. Uh, there is a book study that our district did over the summer that I really enjoyed. And so it's even more like how I coach now. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the player, the players, the students are up at like whiteboards for like yeah. 90% of the class. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of get to float around. So it's almost like, just like how you would have like three or four rondos set up and you kind of right. check in on each rondo. Now it's, I have 3 or 4 groups working up at whiteboards and I check in on each group and so I'd say it's even they're they're merging even closer together now than yeah. uh, than previous years.
0: I feel like I found that the other day uh I had a meeting about uh DTGSS which is I guess the new standard that the school di- at least our school district is evaluating teachers and things like that. Anyway, so um I had my meeting for that and I had to do a goal setting and individual goal setting and then what I wanted to do for, for a specific student and the way that it's being, uh, run, it's being a little super similar to the way that us soccer is running their coaching courses right now. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, like this makes sense. Like this idea of whole part whole and, you know, play practice play to a certain extent, you know, there's all of those things end up marrying together, which is, which is really nice because I think it takes the overwhelming aspect of teaching a little bit off. Uh, but at the same time, you'll, it also gives the coaching part a little bit more credibility of like, all right, like we're doing things that are very similar to the quote unquote teaching world, which is ultimately not that far from, from coaching. Um, how do you find that? How do you find that challenge year in year out from a coaching standpoint, you're going into your 11th year after this year and on the boys side, and we'll get to the girls in a second, but how do you continue to find that challenge and how do you continue to push yourself? to to be a better coach
2: i think it's always finding stuff that's new to implement or incorporate um i think it's i like to kind of maintain 80 to 90 percent maybe of what we did in terms of training sessions um and kind of bring that back for the next year. So for the, the returning players, it feels like there's some continuity there. It doesn't feel like it's a completely new thing that we're trying to do. But I also always want to change 10 or 20% because I think there's always stuff that could be improved. Um Kind of after, after a session, I'll make notes, kind of things I would like to do differently if I were to run that particular activity again. Um, or even something as simple as how how to articulate a coaching point, like like oh I should have worded that a little bit differently. That would have clicked a little bit better. Um, just like when you're teaching a new course, uh, kind of when you're trying to introduce a new a new math concept, uh, there's certain. There's certain phrasing that just clicks better with students, and I think the same thing is true in soccer for players. There's certain phrasing that oh, I I could have articulated it like this, and that point would have hit home. It would have clicked a little bit better for for that player, and and finding those ways to those little tweaks. I think at this point, it's not about big overhauls, uh, but little little tweaks to to continually fine tune stuff.
0: Do you find that you, you, what, what method, if you have one of reflection, do you have after training sessions or if, even after the season's done? Um,
2: In terms of personal reflection, it's more. So I have like an entire stack of notebooks from like the last decade, like okay. each, each season gets a steno pad and so I'll always and that's one of the nice things about coaching boys and girls high school is that I only have to wait 3 months before mm-hmm. I get to start trying some new stuff or adapting some of the stuff that I'd done in the previous season instead of having to wait the entire entire 9 months and so some of it's kind of in some of the reflections in the moment where yeah. I kind of at, After practice, I might make some notes, but some of it's also kind of when I get into the next season, like coming up into the spring, I'll think about some of the stuff that I did with the boys and how I'd want to, how I would have wanted to do it differently. And then I get to try it, try it in the girls season. And then it kind of cycles back to the boys season where there's some stuff I did with the girls and then I get to tweak it and kind of try it, try it for the boys that next fall.
0: All right, so now that we we started talking about the girls more, how is the how are you getting prepared for the uh for the 2024 season and how does that how does the season going to potentially look and how is it going to be different than than the previous year or or the same for that matter?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um we have uh we really only graduated one we only lost one starter from last year. Um and so I'm excited for the group that's coming back here right now. Um, November, I don't really do anything. That's kind of a, uh, kind of a break. Yeah. Um, December we start just kind of, it's a recruitment effort. It's trying mm-hmm. to find girls that are interested in doing something new, interested in trying something for the school. Uh, so right now I think we have over 50 girls that we're expecting to play this spring.
0: No.
2: And, uh, Taking care of sports physicals, man, I hate I hate having <laughs> a deal. I have a, I hate having to deal with paperwork. And so the earlier we can knock that out, like that's yeah. December's push is especially now that we have a we got a wellness center in our building about three or four years ago. And that's been phenomenal. But just yeah. trying to do that push uh to get that taken care of so we don't have to worry about it. Um, and then in January, we'll start up workouts. Uh, So the coaching staff will offer three different workouts a week. We'll do a a cardio workout, a strength training workout, a yoga workout. Um, and then we have indoor league coming up as well. Um, and so trying to, trying to get them active, trying to get them involved, get them touches, get them moving. Um, and that's been, that's been really helpful in terms of injury prevention for us is, the more we can do before the grind of the season, the the healthier we're able to stay during the season.
0: And you're actually, for as to a certain extent, we, you know, you're, you're in a different situation than potentially I am where, where I don't have necessarily a feeder that like, or you don't, you don't have necessarily a feeder that comes into you. You're, you're getting people that are, that are applying to go to the school and then it's, it's a lottery system, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. yeah. So it falls under the classification of a magnet school. Right. So it's public. Anyone can apply. Right. Um, preference is given to, to red clay students. And then it's a lottery lottery from there.
0: So how do you, how do you kind of manage the expectations of, cause I mean, we all do it, right. We all look, try to look ahead and figure out like who's coming in who's coming in mm-hmm. that kind of thing. We all have connections in the club world where we, where we kind of know, know each other. I mean, in Delaware Delaware's extremely small state. I've, Lived here for eight years now, and I've realized that it's a big small town. Basically, it doesn't matter where you go. It's ex- especially the soccer community is even smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you manage that? Like, how do you almost forecast more than one year in advance, considering that it's you're not a hundred percent sure of who's coming in? That's I've always found the the magnet or the charter schools from that standpoint super interesting. Especially to be able to maintain a consistent level of success is extremely difficult.
2: Yeah. Um, big thing is connecting with our middle school. So we're technically grade six through 12. We're all in the same building and we have middle school team at Conrad. Um, and so because it's a lottery system, I don't really have much control over who gets in from the outside, uh, but trying to identify those players that are already in our middle school. I mean, we have like our middle school trials. We have like 70, 80 kids that come out for the middle school team um so, the biggest thing is connecting with those kids and getting to know them and and also figuring out what their what their interests are for high school like we're we're a science focused school yeah and there are some kids that just aren't interested in that and that's uh, as much as i'd like them to stay for soccer purposes that's not why they should be choosing the high school right um and so it's helping them trying to figure out it feels like eighth grade is almost like choosing a college now in Delaware. It's what are you, what are you interested in? What what type of, how, what do you see yourself doing after high school? Type You make your thing? Major and, already uh, yeah yeah
0: and so, yeah yeah.
2: And trying to project that a little bit, and so it's it's kind of connecting it so they feel like there's some people that they know at the high school already if they decide to stay and helping them figure out. Um, where their interests are, and maybe what what career they're interested in eventually getting into.
0: Um, you probably have, I would say, one of the larger coaching staffs. I think in in the state. Uh, what gives it? What goes into into that coaching staff, and why? Why do you find yourself as as having one of the the larger staffs? I think in the state. Yeah.
2: So this uh, this upcoming season, we'll have seven coaches on staff. Uh, three are paid, four volunteer. Um, and I think the, the biggest number that we've ever had was nine on the staff at once. Um, it's, it's just being able to give players more feedback, give them more information. Uh, we've joked that the ultimate goal is to try to get a one-to-one player to coach ratio. Uh, (laughs) Um, that would be cool. That would be cool. And being able to have like a personal coach.
0: Listen, sometimes I've watched football practices before. Sometimes that's what it feels like.
2: Yeah, like it's... there. American football has some things. Obviously, the, the physicality part and, yeah. and preferencing strength and speed is something that I feel like we overdo in soccer. Yep. Um, But being able to give more individualized feedback and just more frequent feedback when it's one coach with 25 players... Hard. I, I can't I can't communicate with all of those players in an efficient manner. Um, but when we have so this upcoming spring season, we'll have three coaches for varsity, three coaches for JV and we'll have a goalkeeper coach. Um, and that guarantees that we'll at least have two coaches for each team at every session uh, and just being able to get the players more feedback and more eyes like during a game uh when we have six sets of eyes that can focus on different things that are on the field during a match it makes it easier to figure out how we need to make adjustments at halftime it makes it easier to to talk to players mid game because if one coach needs to go talk to a player we still have three or four other coaches that can see what's going on out on the field yeah um and so that's been and we bring different different skill sets like one of our assistant coaches is our school psychologist so she's been able to help do some performance coaching stuff. And she's also able to meet with them during the school day in terms of helping them with academics, helping them with mental health. Um, and so that's been, that's been huge for us over the last couple of seasons.
0: And that, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's the key. I think it's finding the ability to, to surround yourself with, with people that, that complement each other. I mean, I, one of the reasons why I love coaching with, with Kirsten, with KP is, Um she fills she fills a gap in in my coaching ability of like the strength and conditioning part is definitely not my strong suit. Uh, but she fills that perfectly. So it's so it's it's the ability to rely each other on that, rely on each other for that. At the same time, do you find yourself that especially the longer you are with a coaching staff, that you almost it I've gotten to a point where I feel like I I can turn around at any given point and I know exactly where, where we all are to a certain extent. And it's almost like you could, you're, it feels like you're talking to yourself, but you're really not because you know, that there's somebody kind of next to you or behind you listening. But do you feel like you, you, once you're in the, in the thick of the season, when it's all clicking, you don't really make a
2: decision without really talking to anybody else. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's just, uh, Uh, It's just, we, we get naturally in sync and it's, but it's, yeah, it's that balance between cooperating, but not mimicking. Right. Like it's, it's not just, I'm, I'm interested in doing something. So all the assistants agree it's, they're all kind of independently assessing and they'll provide their feedback as well. But we also see the overarching unity that a coaching staff needs to have uh, in order to be able to, to help, help a team develop.
0: How did you make that transition? Because I feel like that's been, that's been for me, one of the hardest things to do is coming from the, the, the club world where, and you, you used to coach club soccer as well, where, where at times it feels extremely lonely. Uh, because you're you know you you have to show up you show up to your own session at night you know 5 30 6 6 30 whatever it is you show up to your your own training session. sometimes you got back to back training sessions you're in your own corner you're on your own field or whatever it is i know you and i used to run into each other at kirkwood all the time um on that turf field with the one light and we're all sharing like a sixth of the space and um but just the shadows were out that was it that was the the boundary we're gonna play from this shadow to that shadow um (laughs) But but that club cl- club world can feel so lonely sometimes because you're in charge of your own practices, you're in charge of your you know of your own communication. you're in charge of this, you're in charge of that and then come the weekend, you're sitting there coaching and when you got questions, you turn around and you just got a bunch of 12 year olds next to you. Uh, you got a lot of parents on the other side with a lot of opinions uh, but but realistically, like so how did you make that transition or how do you how do you make that transition? to going from being completely by yourself to a certain extent, obviously again, all, all clubs have supports and things like that. And you you had Heno, you had Shear, you you had a lot of people at Kirkwood at the time, but, but still like from a coaching standpoint, it does feel a little lonely. How do you make that transition from going to being by yourself to being in a staff of six, seven, eight, whatever it is?
2: Fortunately for me, I never had to do the club stuff solo. Um, so I had actually done high school first and then got brought in to do, to do club ball. And like my first year, my wife and my sister were assistant coaches. My sister still continues to be an assistant coach, uh, for both staffs at Conrad as well. And so it was always, yeah, every, every club season I did, there was always at least one assistant there. Um, I feel like I would go crazy without at least someone to talk through things like trying to trying to have that internal dialogue just solo, I think would really be a struggle for me. Like being able to, to chat about things and and talk things out uh, I think is, is a huge thing for me. Um, so fortunately I've never been in the position where I've had to do it solo.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, definitely feels a little awkward. Like if there's, if there's a high school session where maybe some coaches have uh like one of my one of my coaches is uh Army Reserves. And so maybe he has a drill weekend and another coach has a meeting after school. Um, those sessions are always a little bit awkward for me when I'm running the whole thing solo. I much prefer getting different input and just even just different angles of vision, being yeah. able to see different things on the field. Um so. My answer is I had, I made sure I never had to deal with that transition (laughs) by always, always having other coaches around.
0: How do you, uh, how do you, what's the, or what's the dynamic like then of coaching with your wife and then with your sister as well? Like, what is that dynamic like? And we'll, we'll get to a little bit deeper into your family here in a second, but what's that dynamic like in general? Um, it's
2: really cool. It's, uh, well, so my wife and I actually met as assistant coaches, Okay. So from the first day we met, we've been coaching soccer together. Um
0: that's really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that was back at uh at Newark High School, my alma mater, um, 2010 girls season. I had started coaching there right after I graduated and she was getting a coaching sciences minor at University of Delaware. So she was placed with the with the girls' soccer team almost like a student teaching placement. Okay. Um so before I ever knew her, we were coaching together. Uh, so that's always been that's always been a lot of fun. And then um, coaching with my sister's also been really cool. Um, it's, she's a nurse at Christiana Hospital. Um, and so I know getting her when I know her hours are super crazy. But when she's able to make it out there, um, it's it's a great dynamic. It helps. I feel like it helps contribute to the family dynamic that we're trying to create. With our different teams, uh, with the high school teams, with the club teams, it's trying to create that family atmosphere. And I don't, I don't think there's a better way to make it feel like family than bringing actual family in.
0: Isn't that interesting? Then I feel like, and I've coached a lot of club teams, and now with forty years into into Odessa, um, I almost feel like I've have a, even though I have a lot, probably at times I feel like I've had longer individual connections with either players or family specifically um with my family but i think from a overall perspective i feel like high school does bring that level of like it becomes a family thing right so like my parents come to the odessa games um you know my my kids run out run out you know right after the game or before the game my, if my wife brings them depending on the time they run out and then they say hi and then they're with the kids and we went to a football game this year and they got to walk out onto the football field with the soccer team. And they got to do that. So like two of the players, they call them uncle chase and uncle Enzo. Like it's, it's this whole thing where like it's an extension of your family at that point. Right. And it, it, which, which to a certain extent you're spending, you know, you know, whatever time between eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon. And then after that, you're going two hours every day, plus, plus, buses and this and then that and the home games and the away games and all that like for three and a month three months at a time yes. every mm-hmm. single day so you're you're spending so much time with with these people and so yeah, yeah at some point you got to bring it i gotta you got to bring your family in or else you don't see your family <laughs> Correct. Correct. um and and it's not like you know let's be realistic leo it's not like you just have two kids you have four uh and and our two our two oldest are the same age uh because you you and i had kids around the same time because i remember we used to run each into each other at the convention even though we lived in delaware we were running to each other at the convention um but what's that what is that what is that family dynamic like of like you have four kids all under the age of you know six and below what is that dynamic like between coaching and then dad's a coach dad's a teacher but dad's also dad, right? So, yeah. so what is that dynamic
2: like? Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's definitely quite the quite the schedule in the fall and the spring. Um, a couple of big things are definitely to bring the kids whenever we can. Uh, so we'll take uh, like the, with the teams, we'll take an annual trip somewhere away for like a long weekend. Uh, like the boys' team, we've gone to Ocean City, New Jersey, the last couple of years. Uh, for the girls' team, we've kind of done an indoor water park. We went to the Poconos last year. We'll go to the to Great Wolf Lodge this upcoming spring, and the the kids and, and Katie, my wife, will will come with us as well. And so they'll the kids will get to hang out with the players. The players get to hang out with the kids. Um, just to try to establish that connection as much as we can. Um, it's uh, we definitely. So one of the, one of the things that we've that we've done in the last year or so that's made a huge difference is we take a day each week, uh, kind of a Sabbath day where we don't do any work, we're not coaching, we're not um, we're not doing any schoolwork and stuff. It's just a family day each week, uh, just because some of those, especially if there's like a night game, yeah. Where ah, there's there's times where like night game, I don't see the kids for forty eight hours, yeah. Um, and so trying to carve out that time where like my school laptop's away, my phone's even away for that day to, to dedicate that family time has been huge. Uh, just because like you said, we have a, my wife and I have a a six year old, a four year old, a two year old and an eight month old. Um, and so it's, it's just being intentional about kind of reserving that family time, even during the, the hectic soccer schedule. It's, it's, Kind of that time, that time is locked in and then other stuff kind of works around that.
0: Yeah, it's huge. Um because on top of that, you're not just, you know, you're not just, you know, dad, husband, uh, Conrad math teacher, boys and girls soccer coach. You're also part of the you're the, you're our DIAA like soccer president. Uh, and you've been heavily involved in United Soccer Coaches for as long as I've known you uh so what what is the connection there to to do be a part of the diaa and added soccer coaches like why why say you know what i figured out as a math teacher i figured out that there are more than 24 hours in a day uh you you i think you live in a different time zone than the rest of us sleep's
2: a little bit limited that's definitely <laughs> where we uh that's definitely where some time gets carved out um but yeah so i've been the uh the association president for the Delaware uh, high school soccer coaches association and the the girls soccer coaches association for the last three or four years. Now Uh, I'm on the tournament committees for both the boys soccer and girls soccer, um, committees. Uh, and then, yeah, I've had the opportunity to be on the local organizing committee for when the conventions have been in Philadelphia or Baltimore. Um, I think the (laughs) the first most important part of it is, first off, my wife gets it all. So the fact that my wife and I met as coaches and she played high school soccer, she played club soccer, uh, she grew up in, in Doylestown, PA, she won a couple state championships with CB West uh, in high school. And so she she gets the importance of not only that I really enjoy the experience, but also she understands the importance of the experience for the players. Yeah. and how much that means to them. Um, and so she's always been super supportive of these different endeavors with the ultimate goal of trying to provide players with the best experience. Uh, my my roles as association president and on the tournament committees, they're to try to give players the best possible high school soccer experiences. Um, the The work that I've done at the conventions, that's kind of – where I've been able to, to learn new things and, and update kind of develop as a coach, uh, kind of that 10 to 20% that I talked about earlier about yeah. trying to tweak stuff and change stuff up. Well, the conventions are a huge part of that. That's where a lot of the inspiration comes from. Um, and so having a, having a wife that's able to support those endeavors, um, when she knows that a lot of the time that means I'm passed out on the couch by eight 30 each night. Um, I kind of eat dinner and I sit down on the couch and I'm, I'm pretty much out for (laughs) for an hour or so. Um, that's huge. And then, uh, yeah. Plus we can then still talk tactics, which I don't know how (laughs) many spouses can still, still watch film and talk tactics together.
0: I think, I think, uh, I, my wife came to, to one convention. She came to the 2020 convention right before the world shut down, Mm -hmm. uh, in Baltimore. And, um, and she came to that, and I had been going for a couple of years, and you know some of our friends that live in Colorado were were coming in for it, and and they're both soccer coaches, and so they she, she came down to to since so she spent the day with with us uh, there, and I think she, I think the the shock value of of the convention for the first time, especially when you're like when you, when I've been telling her and. and my wife's my wife's part of a an, an international sorority, and she's been to the conventions for that. And you know, she's like, "Yeah, we have like four thousand people." And I was like, "That's nice." And so, like, I was like, "We have we have like twelve thousand that just show up at the convention." Like, no, no big deal. And she was like, "Wait, there's no way." And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "It doesn't feel like it because it feels like you run into people that you know constantly at the convention." Um, but but it is. It's it's a it's it's an amazing. I think it's an amazing opportunity. I've recommended to any coach I've ever met of like, you need to go and experience it because it's not only is it the, the sessions are fantastic, but it's also the amount of time you get to like network and, and just talk. And I, and, and, and I think I can probably count the number of times I've had like conversations about um, like I don't think I've, ever, I've rarely sat down and said like, all right, like I need, I need help with my right back getting forward and more. I don't think I had those conversations. It's about life. It's about the, the the balance of it all. It's about the, the club world, the high school world. It's about, you know, how do you deal with the mental health aspect of it? Cause that's huge now. And, and we're finally talking about it in not only from a player perspective, but how do you handle it from a coaching perspective? You know the the coaching world is is an interesting one that demands a lot of out of people, um, but at times doesn't give a ton back. Uh, so so that's difficult. Um, so it's that experience, and I think I think when she when she came to it that one year, I think she was like, all right, like I get it now. Like she was always understood the soccer part of it. She grew up playing soccer and everything else, but the coaching aspect of it, she's always appreciated it. And, but I think that showing up to the convention for the first time, I think was like, oh, wow, like that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people wearing the same clothes you're wearing, (laughs) Uh, which I, which I I appreciate. And in the last couple of years, doing, and I've gotten to go with the podcast. And that's been, it's been interesting because we get to have our own mini convention to a certain extent. Like we get to go to a few sessions here and there, but, but then we get to have like one on one convention, which is, which is awesome. Um, We're skipping this here because it's way out in California. Um, but we'll be, we'll be going back probably in a year or two, depending, it's starting to come back this way. So yeah, I
2: think it's, I think it's in Kansas city in 2025 and then it's back in Philly in 2026. It's kind of the kickoff. I yeah. think it's the Philadelphia's kickoff for the world cup, world cup. as world a world host world site.
0: Yeah. Um, so that'll be, so And it
2: helps me, it helps me identify things as a coach, right? I didn't necessarily know that there were areas of weakness. Yeah. But it's I'm able to see a session or I'm able to hear a panel. and It's like wow, like that's that's something that's so much better than yeah. what I have been doing, and I didn't even realize that it was lacking in these ways beforehand. And it's just right. yeah, I, I've loved the conventions, um, and I think it's uh, I'm right there with you. I think it's I think it's an experience every coach should uh, should get to it do at some point where do you find the balance because
0: there is there is that little bit of a difference in the convention of like the high school the high school soccer aspect of it and a lot of it being club or or at times And this is the one the one um area of growth that i found in the convention is that sometimes the the environment becomes difficult because the players are are really really good that come out to the to the training session you're like well i don't have anybody that plays like that uh <laughs> or or the or the coaches that are coming in are like well you know i'm working at the you know this academy in this part of the world with like the same 22 players that show up at every single training session and you're like all right well that's nice to know consistently who has because i even in high school i was like all right well at least in high school i'll have some consistency of players now i gotta retake a test i have a dentist appointment i have to do this i have this Um, but where do you find the difference between high school soccer and and you doing it for so long and you doing it before club in club and where strength and weaknesses potentially of both, but like, where do you find the, the value in both aspects of
2: it? I would say for the high school, it's been the opportunity to do stuff with larger numbers. Uh, cause normally for high school roster, we have 22 to 25. Yeah. Um, and so there are just some things that we just numerically, we can't do. We can't, it's tough to end a club session with 11 V 11, unless you're, unless you're coordinating with another team. Yeah. Um, uh, so some of those, some of those stage three, stage four progressions, it's kind of, we max out at six V six, maybe at the club level, or depending on what age group, maybe it's a, maybe it's a nine V nine, um. And, and also trying to figure out how to kind of incorporate all of those players, keep all of those players engaged for the sessions. Uh, one of the things that is a little bit of a cheat at the convention is that the coach only gets to use the exact number of players he needs to use yeah. and doesn't mind saying, oh, hey guys, why don't you go kind of yeah. sit over here and hang out until we need you for the next stage. But at in an actual high school session. We can't do that. We're not going to have players sit. We need to keep those players moving for those full two hours, or else they won't come back. Yeah, yeah. Especially when that weather turns crappy and it starts getting forty degrees and below. Like, no, we're not sitting anybody to to do the session. Uh, So it's been, yeah. I feel like it's able. We're able to incorporate some of the concepts and and kind of going back again to to how those coaching points are articulated even if the exact session where we don't have a Philadelphia Union Academy team that we're working with in terms yeah. of player quality how they articulate Concepts to their players I think is something that that we can incorporate at both the high school and the club level and it's I know sometimes maybe the 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 vocabulary itself is a little over sophisticated but I think it's being able to bring in some of those concepts and and some of those situations, I think is is super helpful to develop the the soccer IQ part as well.
0: What about from a player standpoint? Where do you think the value is for players to to play high school soccer? Because I feel like I've, for a long time, I will admit it, for a long time, I, I didn't fight it, but I disagreed with a lot of the ways that 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 some high school coaches not not knowing the internal aspects of it but the 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 not the level of importance but the level of like commitment that high school soccer took at times and i felt like at times and i still do it to a certain extent feels sometimes that we we add so much pressure in high school soccer when when we should be taking it away because it it shouldn't feel the same amount of pressure as school. To a certain extent, it should be. It, there's a level element of fun that needs to be in there. But where do you think the value is from uh for for a player to play high school soccer? Yeah, and I
2: mean, specific, especially now with the MLS Next program, that that situation's kind of come to a head here, where now players are being forced to choose between club and high school, and I think it's I think it's disappointing that they aren't able to do both. Yeah. I think I think there is there's a certain aspect of being able to play with a team where you see the players every day in classes, you see the coaches every day at practice whereas that continuous exposure and you're not just you're not just playing for your development or your growth, you're playing as a representation of your school and of your community and given that there's only a small percentage of players that eventually go on to play in college where there's also, or even on a grander scale, that it's essentially like being able to play for your nation. It's like the difference between playing for your nation and playing for your, your league team. And there's just a certain sense of pride that I think comes with playing for your nation or playing for your college or playing for your high school that, that you don't get um playing for a club team and I I think that's being able to play for an entity bigger than yourself yeah. um I know there are clubs but I don't think there's any players that are going out and saying oh I'm doing this for the club today I don't I
0: yeah it's that,
2: hard. I don't I, but being able to go out and say oh I'm doing this for my school is is a pretty cool uh, is a pretty cool experience
0: especially when I think that's that's and, and sometimes we forget that kids require consistency right mm-hmm. players require consistency and for better or worse, the schools are there you know the, yeah. the school's not going anywhere uh for the okay. most part they don't change names they don't change mascots uh <clears throat> they, they, you know they might upgrade fields but that's as far as it goes it's not you know you're not having three schools combined into one to form one super school <laughs> No. That Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Uh, uh-uh. No, you know, no one's, you know, so you're not changing colors. You're not changing brands. Like nothing's changing for the most part. There'll be new schools that pop up, uh, but, but never, but yeah. And I think that's the consistency that, that for the most part, or you don't necessarily have the ability, even though you have the ability to change schools. It's not as easy as we run into it, where parents will grab their kid and take them to a different club, where the kids will change clubs, you know, left and right every year. And in four years, they'll play in four different clubs. Yeah, you you don't really get to play in four different high schools throughout all four years of high school. Doesn't really work that way. Um. So, Leo, before we before we wrap up, um, where where do you see if you had to project? uh the next five years of your coaching of your of your coaching career uh where do you see it going like what's the what's the goal in the next five years or or where do you see yourself going with this and then um i, I want to know how you are because i know your kids started playing soccer i know your your oldest is playing soccer uh how do you what is what is that difference like? Because that's a different level of coaching. That's a different level of commitment as a father, and you and your wife. How are you managing that? Especially considering you're both both soccer players, you're both soccer coaches. What is that dynamic like?
2: So, in terms of, I'll actually answer your second question first here. So, coaching my sons. Uh, so, my six year old has been playing rec for a couple of years now. My four year old just played his first season of rec this past fall. Um, just first off, just working with that age group has been super entertaining, the the four-year-olds and six-year-olds. Um, and it's been very interesting, kind of, I've seen the tail end for probably most soccer players' competitive careers. I feel like for a majority of players, high school is kind of the, the end of the competitive side, and so... I feel like over the years, there's been stuff where I've looked at it. And it's like, man, I wish they had started doing that when they were younger, yeah. kind of being able to use both of their feet, being able to pick their head up and see what's going on around them. And now being at the kind of shifting all the way to the beginning of that timeline and working with four-year-olds and six-year-olds has been super interesting. Um, now, for my son specifically, it's been kind of interesting because the the concept of the game hasn't really clicked for him yet. Like it's my my sons are much more interested in kind of hanging out and watching what's going on the field. And, oh, there's an airplane or geese flying overhead. And it's and so it's um, I feel like for my wife and I both being soccer players, I feel like the fact that they're just kind of enjoying themselves, but aren't the most engaged in the game has helped temper our expectations. It's like I don't feel it's not like they're superstars dribbling through a bunch of different players and scoring goals where I feel like, man, do we have to get them into an Academy or do we have to get them into a travel team soon? Like it's, we're able to just kind of sit back and enjoy it And it's, it's an extra 45 minutes to an hour that I get to hang out with my kids that I otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Um, and at the same time, I get to start working with some kids that uh, that are excited to, that are kind of picking up stuff um and able to to pick their head up and look around before they find a pass when they're 6 years old. Yeah. Um and so it's that's been an interesting dynamic um in terms of where I see myself in the next 5 years I don't know. I feel like I haven't really gotten a chance to plan that far ahead just because with how hectic how hectic things are yeah. In a day-to-day basis, I'm I'm happy if I can plan out the next week, the next month. (laughs) I mean, it's always (laughs) – there's always a little bit of foresight because I'm trying to to meet those middle school players and some of those maybe freshmen or sophomores that are getting into the game and trying to help them play more and just get more soccer experience um, for eventually down the line. Uh, But in terms of coaching career stuff, like – Maybe my kids play club. Maybe they don't I'm kind of go with that either way. Um, I'm not really interested in in coaching college because the, the idea of having to go out and recruit kids across the region or across the country, or even now it feels like internationally to recruit, like that's not something that's of particular interest. So, to me, it's it's trying to it's trying to make the best possible experience for for my my own children, for my Conrad players, and for for high school s- soccer in Delaware. Trying to give them the best best experience they can because I'm so grateful for my high school soccer experience. Um, and not only that, I've met my wife through coaching high school soccer, yeah. and so th- it's done so much for me in my life. Trying to provide a great experience for as many people in Delaware as I can is kind of the, the only real five-year goal I have is just trying to make that experience as good as possible.
0: You know what? That's the, that's, that, that's worth it. Like that in of itself is, is, is a goal worth fighting for and continuing to do this every day. You know, it's for sure, because I feel like we need, we need more people like you. We need more people that, that, you know it's it's great we all have goals we all have things we want to achieve and as as individuals as families and things like that but, but the fact that you're able to kind of see beyond that a little bit more and just go you know what like if i can make the experience better for somebody else and that's worth it for me right like i think that's that's huge uh, especially in a, in a in a soccer world that that sometimes we forget that this game means more to these kids than it's just kicking a ball right like it's 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 so much more um sometimes it's stability you know sometimes it's it's not having to go home sometimes it's 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 all that that we we had sometimes lose lose sight of because we want to win games and things like that but but uh but but that's that's the reason for it i mean listen we've we've sat here and almost talked for an hour and i don't think we've really talked i was out of the first five minutes when he talked about the 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 boy season and how it went like we've we haven't really talked about winning and losing which is kind of the which is kind of the, the best part about it right um and i think that's why that's why having you on the podcast is long overdue uh and and i think the next time we gotta i we gotta bring katie in we gotta we gotta get a babysitter get all four kids somewhere and then we gotta bring katie in and then we can have both of you talk and then you know we can figure out you know who's who's better as a coach uh we're
2: better together as a coach that is the that is the best option that's a good answer Thank you. Well, there was one. So there was one season where I was the head coach at Conrad. She is the head coach for New York Charter's girls team. And I was just super awkward. Like that was a weird. It was kind of like New York Charter's like first varsity season uh-huh. as as a girl varsity girls program. And that was just like super awkward. Like it's it's so much better when we're when we're able to chat about stuff. And that's good, though. Yes.
0: Did You have to play each other that year.
2: Uh, Newark charter wasn't in our conference yet. So okay. we did a scrim. We set up a scrimmage together. I think we ended up tying one, one. So unfortunately I don't have a, an answer <laughs> for you as to who won that game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely better when we're coaching together.
0: That's a good answer. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Well, Leo, uh, it's been awesome to have you on the podcast. Best of luck on the, on the girl season. Can't, can't wait for the far annual, We gotta come up with a name for it now. We gotta we gotta come up with a name. We'll get a little trophy. We'll give it to back and forth to each other. I think it Uh,
2: should be a very small trophy and a very big celebration. Like it should be like UEFA trophy raising type situation for for the smallest trophy we can find.
0: There you go. And and realistically, like it's almost it'll almost be better if our players don't really know about it. But it's just like that awkward moment of like, wait,
2: what is coach doing? Why is he like so happy about this? All the captains over. They're just (laughs) We hand them hand them something this tall and try to uh Yeah If like we won. Like didn't didn't you aren't you aware of the, the importance of this scrimmage? This is the annual
0: uh We gotta come up with something. We do. Yeah, we'll we'll figure we'll come up with a name. We'll we'll leave it up to listeners. that listeners can submit names and and uh we'll come up with some sort of name for our uh our annual our annual uh girls scrimmage. I guess. Uh,
2: Logical creature that's like half duck, half wolf that we can, uh, yeah, name it after. That would be yeah. it. good old wolf duck. Wolf duck. The, the wolf duck cup. I like that. That might be it. That that might, we may have a winner. We'll have to. Good old. We'll have to good see old, in the comments if that's. Uh... We'll get with the good old wolf duck cup. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
0: Leo. Uh, honestly, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been it's been awesome to have you and. Uh, um. Best of luck with everything. Thank you, man. Likewise. Thanks. All right, Dewey. And I got a list of topics for us to uh to cover. Um starting with the Club World Cup, which I mean, is the game done?
1: Yeah, it's done. Yeah, I mean it was done. It was done forty in second there. ten when Julian Alvarez scored. <laughs> That's right. I mean, once that started, you kind of realized what was gonna what the result was gonna be.
0: Yeah, I mean, Fluimensa did get a goal called back when I saw, um, but ultimately the finals, three uh, nothing. So Manchester City uh, club. It's, you said three? It's four. Three. Is it four? Am I? Yeah. Oh, I four. Scored. Yeah, four, four, four. Cool. Then scored in the ninetieth. Um. Yeah, or in the eighty eighth minute. Yeah, good for him. All right. So yeah. So four nothing final. Um. Manchester City. Uh. I mean, I think that's the difference when you look at it from a from the difference between Argentina and Brazil and just European soccer. Is it's, just, it's the, the the gap is massive. Um, because even if you're like, oh, well, Flamengo says you know got a lot of money and you know they got Marcelo, but when you start looking at the at their players, Marcelo's thirty five years old. Look at this back. They got Felipe Melo. That's like forty. He's forty. Felipe Melo's forty. Nino's twenty six. He's he's one of the youngest players on the team at twenty six. Uh Brito, the their right back is thirty three. Ah, uh, their goalkeeper Fabio is forty three. Then you got in the middle of the field. uh, Martin <laughs> is twenty two, so he's he's young. Uh, Andre's 22 so he's not he's he's good Kano their forwards 35 uh, Gonzo is 34 uh then you got Arias is 26 and then Kenno uh is 34
1: Yeah not really the felt so you
0: got know. out of the, out of out of 11 players you have uh three players that are so you got four players that are in their 20s and then everybody else is not just in their 30s like like in their mid to late 30s and you got two 40 year olds yeah. sorry yeah two 40 year olds so i mean it's hard to compare it when the oldest player in Manchester City starting i think is might be Kyle Walker at 33 yeah I mean, that's it, it, really, really all it is. I mean, there might yeah, be they, two 30-year-olds. Really, uh, Bernardo Silva might be. No, Bernardo Silva's only 29 years old. Dude, he's only 29 years old? Yeah. He looks like he's 45.
1: He moves around like a 29-year-old, man. He, he can move, he can play.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't look, he looks like he's old. Yeah,
1: they got some terrible ratings They got, two, out they got
0: two two players that are over the age of 30. That's it. Kyle Walker and Ederson are the only two. Everybody Nothing else.
1: Is- keeper. They, got a, they got somebody up there that's around Marcelo's age. Scott Carson.
0: Scott Carson, yeah. But he didn't, but yeah, Scott Carson was on that bench.
1: Way down on that bench. Yeah. Um, but you got Rico
0: Lewis starting.
1: In the midfield. I like Rico Lewis, I man. He's a good player.
0: I and I like Rico in the midfield instead of as an outside back
1: depends I mean they got
0: the thing about Man City they got they got players that
1: can play anywhere total football
0: well I mean again <laughs> uh, when you got Nathan Ake playing as a as your left back you know you can't really go wrong there uh, yeah
1: and then, I mean and they still got that dude Vardiol, whatever the dude the masked man from Croatia yeah. still coming off the bench and he can play center back or left back you got a Kanji You can play as an outside back or center yeah. back like they could play with five center backs if they wanted to.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So there's your yeah, there's your World Cup, FIFA World Cup. Um
1: yeah, that boy Nina, though, on Fluminese. Yeah. 4.6 rating.
0: <laughs> Not a great day. Uh well, Andre,
1: Andre had a four point seven.
0: <laughs> so there's your club world cup uh champion, and then uh 2025 just announced recently as of uh last week that um the 2025 club world cup will be played in the united states it'll be the kind of the precursor to the uh, cl- the the fifa world cup in 26 32 team tournament um the qualifications interesting um the AFC um will get which is uh the AFC is that the
1: AFC in fo- uh in American
0: football or the AFC uh... and <laughs> it's oh. the, the Asian the Asian football confederation.
1: Oh okay I was just uh, sure. I know if, no 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 yeah the Steelers the Steelers oh. I didn't know the Steelers are going into the Club World Cup
0: they'll get they'll get four players um the, or four teams sorry the CAF the that's the African uh confederation will get four teams Kongregate will get four, which Kongregate's four are already locked. Uh, three out of the four are locked in. Uh, they're
1: taking the. Uh, what is Kongregate? They're doing the what?
0: They're the last... is doing Monterey, Seattle Sounders, Lyon, uh, and then one TBD team. Already, maybe like the team more. that wins
1: the maybe the team that wins the Champions League next year, probably. I'm assuming, right?
0: It'll be the team that wins the 2024 Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we got to
1: go out there and support our union, man. In February 24th or whatever.
0: Then the then the Concacaf will also pick up one more for being the host. Just I think that there. I think I think that'll go to ratings to the whatever club team is the highest in the Concacaf ratings. Yeah, the highest Concacaf rated team, uh, because the Conmebol one. Uh, three of those two of those are i think so three of them have already been decided that's Palmeiras Fluminense and Flamengo which are the three previous uh Libertadores winners um and then for south for the CONCACAF the other two i think are or the other three one will be the 2024 Libertadores winner and i think two the other two will be the highest rated uh, teams in CONCACAF they
1: should give it to the the fair play team of comable the team with the least amount of yellow cards I think it should be <laughs> there you go I think that would be, um, be a hard that would be a hard task
0: for the, some teams out there yeah the OFC will be uh, Auckland City already because <laughs> uh, they they win they win the the Oceania uh, Champions League every single time uh, then you, has already got Chelsea, Real Madrid, City, Bayern, PSG, Inter Milan, Porto, and Benfica already locked in. Um, I don't really understand why Porto and Benfica are already locked in. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Portugal is um, dumping some money into this thing. Yeah, I I just don't really. Oh, because it's it's with the UEFA already establishing a club ranking coefficient system. FIFA has laid out a specific methodology that will be used to determine the rankings of the of the European clubs to make the tournament more competitive. Interesting. You'll get more points the further you get along. You get along in the Champions League. Okay, and then uh, Congo-Coff will also have four. Or sorry, UEFA will also have another four. Uh, that are tbd and then the call host that we talked about before um do you think anybody cares about this no i think the players are gonna hate it because so i a stretch. Up, so i grew up obviously for me the libertadores is a massive tournament it's 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 something i look forward to every year as long as Book is playing in it Book is not playing in the next one they didn't make it in um but I grew up with with Boga winning Libertadores, and the FIFA Club World Cup wasn't a thing at the beginning. So it was just one. It used to be called the Intercontinental Cup, and it was just the winner of the Champions League with the winner of the Libertadores, which is ultimately what ends up being the Club World Cup now for the most part. Um, and then, you know, that's what I remember. But But realistically, I don't think... Many teams give it that much of a.
1: Well, it's a one. It's a party grab, right? Because you want, you know, you're trying to sell the Club World Cup, expand it, all that stuff. The problem you have is it's going to be played at the end of the season, so it's after the Champions League final. The t- the players want to go on vacation. They want to go rest, right? So now you're cutting into you're cutting into their recovery and when they got to come back to training, and you're trying to add something where 2025 probably doesn't have an international tournament. I'm assuming, like no in the
0: summer? Uh, well that's the thing like you're, you're going you're going almost three years in a row well i guess there's really nothing this summer so there's nothing this summer but but you had the you had the so you go you go because um, what are
1: the euros are the euros no, Euros are this year
0: right no yours are
1: 24 or next year Sorry, like the Euros you
0: are. Go, you go World Cup, World Cup in December twenty twenty two. Six months later, you have nothing. So there's your recovery time from that. Um, and then you go into twenty twenty four with a Copa America and a Euros, and then you go into a twenty twenty five with this, and then a twenty twenty six with the World Cup. World Cup.
1: Yeah. So for like a player, for European, talk European players, right? There's yeah. no really rest for them because you know if you're from in england like if you're english or french you're one of those big countries that play in the euros and go advance every year you're in the world cup you're probably playing for a top club like there's no rest so i think the players hate it because they gotta play at the end of the season after the champions league final after their league season's done and so it's a waste the other thing is with 32 teams you're taking the past four Champions League winners from what from each country, well, what happens if I'm like a, a selling club, right? Like, what happens if I'm, like, Seattle Sounders won the the thing, what, two years ago? Yeah. They're not going to have the same players. Like, what if they're, like, garbage? Like, they're not going to have the same quality of players there.
0: Like... Well, in the U.S., in the U.S., I mean, you, I think the MLS is in the, literally in the dead center of the season.
1: Right. Well, and that's the same thing with the Club World Cup now, right? Like, so... City, you know, just finished Champions League. Just played, you know, they are playing league games. Got to reschedule league games. Yeah, and then on top of that, the FA Cup's about to start. So now they're running into like having to move games around and play, you know, more games midweek. So you're you're crowding the fixtures, and it's the same thing the coaches have already like come out and said where the players are going to get more players are going to get hurt.
0: Yeah,
1: because they're playing Wednesday, Sunday, traveling. Yeah. Playing again on Wednesday, playing again on Sunday. Like you're playing in too many competitions. Yeah. I mean, a couple years ago. Like remember Liverpool yeah. had to play yeah two it's, games in one day. One day, yeah. And they uh, had to send their U twenty threes to go play in the Club World Cup or something.
0: No, they sent no, it was the other way around.
1: Uh they they took their first team to the World Cup and then yeah. sent their U twenty threes somewhere.
0: Yeah. Um I think the hard part is is that you know you're you're dealing with Oh, and you also have the Olympics in 2024
1: yeah so even your up-and-coming players that maybe aren't or getting the first team minutes i mean the olympics yeah. is a good experience for them and yeah, in, right. in the overage players especially depending play.
0: on where you are right like if you're if you're if you're portugal for example and you got both benfica and porto in the club world cup like what are the chances that that you know the Portuguese national team is gonna to try to take the players to the Olympics, like pretty high at that point. Here's the here's the kicker though. The Olympics Well, you
1: don't have to get released. You don't have to get released to the
0: for the Olympics. No, you don't because it's not a it's not a FIFA, it's not a FIFA sanctioned tournament, so you don't technically have like the clubs do not have to release the players for the Olympics. Um yeah, it's just it's tough. It's definitely interesting. I also don't know that I don't know that you would end up getting the drive out of people to go watch two teams play that like especially at a market like
1: you know nobody's going to go see let's be let's I mean nobody's going to go see Auckland City play Lyon
0: I make it even make it even make it even more obscure like no one's going to go see uh auckland city against the either al Hilal or or our red red diamonds or casablanca yeah this is it's not going to happen
1: so then what you're going to end up doing is playing well i mean they'll probably do this anyway playing two games in a day yeah just to get people so that you you put like a man city in as a second game just to get people to go to the games
0: well you'll have 12 uefa teams no matter what, so your 12 UEFA teams divided into eight groups. No matter what, um, you know, four out of the eight groups will have at least two UEFA teams in them. Yeah, and then when you have, when you also have six CONMEBOL teams, that 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 adds. You'll there's bound to be a team. There's bound to be a group that's got, um, two UEFA teams and one one CONCACAF team. So yeah. Sorry, my dogs. Are, my dogs are going crazy.
1: Well, those teams, those teams are not. to keep those South American teams, you know, spread out. We what do you make, mean? You want to make sure this is a classy, classy tournament? Come on, man. Yeah, that that'll happen. That that's not not going to happen. We don't. We don't have the fences. We don't have the fences around
0: our stadiums in
1: America, man. So hey, we. They're,
0: they're, those are those are gone. Those have gone away from South America too. You sure?
1: We'll make sure it's classy, man. We don't, we don't. need the riot gear, the riot police out there.
0: No, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. No, no, uh, fight, no
1: fighting in the stands.
0: Speaking of clubs, kind of going crazy. The high courts of of Europe of Europe uh, have um decided uh, officially that what UEFA and FIFA were trying to do with not letting teams go. And formed their own Super League um, has made it a deemed it a monopoly. Um, so. Uh, they they said you can't do that. So now clubs are are have the ability to do it. Um, and a 22, which is the. Um, the the backers of the European Super League. Um, they already laid it out. 64 clubs. Um, and two, uh sorry, so it's a three-league. It's a three-tier system with 64 clubs for the men's side. And then a two-league, 32 clubs for women's that uh, would replace the UEFA Champions League and the Women's Champions League. So, um, and there's also promotions and relegations. And then your promotions have to do with your Domestic league standings. Um, so I don't know. Another
1: it, it, it's just too many competitions. Starting to water like the Super League. I get the purpose of it, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> um. But and I get I get what the Champions League is in China. The Champions League is a Champions League. It's just too much. Again, you want the best. It's the same thing. we can't argue and say you soccer, everybody all these new leagues and stuff when they're doing it at the top leagues. They all you're just trying to find ways for the best to play the best more frequently. Yeah. But you know, someone's always gonna lose, right?
0: The problem well, the problem is, is that this this system, this league that they're trying to create is is right now it doesn't have any anybody backing it. Um, right. Premier League and the majority if not all the Premier League teams have said they're not doing it right this league including Bayern Munich said that they're not doing it so, you Liga, lose. so right there you lose. said they're not doing it even though it's all being done by Florentino Perez and John Laporta who are the Real Madrid and Barcelona presidents
1: well Barcelona can't Barcelona can't afford they can't even afford the entry fee <laughs> that's the thing uh, right you're gonna have to have you're gonna have to have you are going to have to have owners of these teams of like six to eight teams go out and buy players from clubs yeah to even get this thing off the ground like it's gonna ha- like what happened with the with the saudi arabian teams buying all these players you're gonna have to have something like that where you're having six or eight teams buying players just to yeah. get this league off the ground where you did say you, hey did you
0: see that um did you see that uh there's a rule in the Saudi Arabia League that either the goalkeepers or the um, it's either goalkeepers or the back line like a certain number of players in the in the goalkeeper, between the goalkeepers and the back line all have to be from Saudi Arabia. That's why there's no defenders. That's why no defender really goes down there. Yeah, I mean it well, makes sense. They feel, sense, right? they feel in forwards. I mean what is really no goalkeepers that are going down there either. Yeah so interesting um,
1: yeah but yeah i don't i don't think the super league it's a great idea in theory um
0: big big ben's big ben's club got knocked out in the first second round
1: (laughs) realistically between the super league and the club world cup what they should if they want to do something almost do what they did with the world cup last year take a break every two years and have like a little
0: tournament yeah, that could be, or, you know, you know, what would be really cool? Hear me out. You take, you take a group of the retired players and you get like eight clubs to eight clubs, like pick the top eight clubs from around the world that that all have retired players. And you got to put a cap of like, you have to be retired for at least a year or two years before you can play in this. You can't just like retire and then the next day start playing in this. And you do a tournament of retired players. There you go. That would be, I would, that, you got me, you got my money on that.
1: Well, I think you would definitely get some money. You, you could definitely make some money on that.
0: Listen, man, I watched, I watched Ronaldinho's, uh, I watched the extensive highlights of Ronaldinho playing in the, um, in the Congo Calf Legends game that they had a week ago after the Super, the Copa America draw and man haha, i was i was into Ronaldinho playing
1: yeah i mean that would be realistically that's something like that's something they could do that could be like in the summer and you could just yeah and you could just go from city to, like a tour yeah like stop in america and shop it around and that way everybody gets to see yep. those players that's an easy money grab Yeah, but yeah, I think they would like for the Super League or something, it it would have to be like a tournament and they would have to stop. They would literally have to stop everyone's season. Yeah. Go somewhere warm. Do it in the winter, right? Because that way the summer is just not never going to work. No. The adding games to the season is just not going to work. Were you like a Man City, right? They won the treble last year. They probably played like, what, 70 games? Yeah. No way, right? You're going to have to do it like World Cup style. Yeah. 32 teams over 20 20 days, right? Stop all the seasons and go somewhere nice. Play the tournament. Yeah. Get some prize money and roll out. That's how you get the buy-in. That's how you get people to do it.
0: For sure. Um, all right. Uh, Copa America. Since we started touching on that, uh, the group stage or the, the draws have been, have been announced. um, group a so basically the way that they did it is is that out of the four groups argentina and brazil are on opposite ends and usa and mexico are on opposite ends at that way the only way they could ever meet each other those like argentina versus brazil or mexico against usa would only be in an eventual final it's done should have put them all in one group it's done it's done it's done specifically in that way um so Argentina, Peru, Chile, and then the winner of Canada and Trinidad, Trinidad, Tobago.
1: Is uh I would not want to play Trinidad and Tobago, man. Um that was Canada, because Canada, all the potential Canada has, they're not they're not rising to that level. And Trinidad might steal a goal from them.
0: Yeah. So there's your that's group A. Uh group B is Mexico, Ecuador, Venezuela, Jamaica, which I think is a pretty good group. Um, I think it's probably one of the more even groups. That yeah, you're... I was
1: just—that's a very consistent group.
0: Yeah, then you got U.S., Ur- USA, Uruguay, Panama, Bolivia. Relatively... That's a tough group, man. I don't think so. It's not Bolivia, USA, Uruguay. Bolivia, Bolivia is Bolivia's terrible.
1: Bolivia is the bottom feeder. They're the outlier, but USA. Now granted,
0: now, granted, you play the you play this tournament in Bolivia. Bolivia jumps up to the, being the one of the best teams, but yeah but i mean panama's America, consistent
1: a, huh panama's been consistent
0: yeah but i don't think it's a it's that tough of a group um and then you got brazil colombia paraguay and then the the other CONCACAF qualifier or com, uh CONCACAF qualifier yeah you got three teams
1: from the south american association on that one group
0: you have to there's there's just no way damn well there's there's four groups 10 10 commonwealth teams Gotcha. So the rule was, and they messed it up, which is funny. Um, and they fixed it because originally Jamaica. So, so the way it worked is in the draw, the you couldn't have more than three Commonwealth teams in one group, and you couldn't have more than two CONCACAF teams in one group. Right. So the moment I ever ever hit that, um, then then it would have been done. So what happened was Bolivia, um, Bolivia and Jamaica were the last two uh, to 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 like draw out, and so Bolivia had to jump to Group C instead of being in Group B. Um, and then, but they messed up and realized that when they pulled out Jamaica, that Jamaica should have gone back to Group B. And then they try to put them in group d with brazil colombia and paraguay and they're like well no that's wrong so then but then they finally fixed it at the end it was it was a whole thing um the mascot's name is capitan uh and it's like eagle which is <laughs> captain eagle it's captain eagle i mean it doesn't get more like american than that right like it, it, and and now and uh Co- uh Copa America has moved away from Adidas as its official like title like partner sponsor and now it's Puma. Um. Uh, right.
1: All right. Well, you know what? The U.S. Hopefully they they bring their A game. That's all I got to say.
0: Yeah. It all. I mean, that's that's. I mean, for USA, Mexico, and potentially Canada, it's their biggest test before the World Cup.
1: Yeah, really. Realistically, they're only tough. Oh, right?
0: like, oh, you have. So they're um, going
1: to have to make sure they get it right.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. One last thing before we move, before we move on to the player of the match. let's
1: talk about the Open Cup.
0: Oh, yeah. Two things then. Um, one, Um. before we talk about the Open Cup, Uh. Netflix Uh. finally released their documentary that they filmed with the U.S. women's national team uh, in the World Cup. So Netflix is trying to deal with U.S. soccer to give them, you know, unprecedented access, you know, to, to the everything, you know, they obviously signed this ahead of time. Um, So out of the entire world cup of 32 teams, uh, all Netflix could, could come up with, was four 40 minute episodes. Um, In which the first episode doesn't even talk that doesn't even start the world cup. Uh, the first episode only talks about the the lead up to the World Cup and whether Lynn Williams, Christy Muse, Alyssa Thompson, um, and a few other. people. Mews
1: just made a move to West Ham.
0: Yeah, she did. Um, but like it highlights on like very specific players. Oh, and Alex Morgan. So it really focuses on those four or five players, whether they made it or not, oh, and Sophia Huerta as well, which. Was interesting because obviously they all made the the World Cup squad, but after that, it was it was really a. It, I expected that that we would hear. Um, I wouldn't. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting some. I wasn't expecting anybody to go and say, "Well, Vladko sucked as a coach, and he wasn't the right person for the job." I wasn't expecting expecting anybody to say that, but I was expecting a little bit of more of like, we messed up with our hiring, and at the same time, this get, this exposed everything that's wrong with U.S. soccer, uh, at the women's level, um, and and they didn't really do that towards the end of the the last episode. Um, spoiler alert: the so U.S. gets knocked out by Sweden in the round of 16. Um, but. After that, like you still have two thirds of an episode in which they don't really talk about the the failure that the the World Cup was from a U.S. standpoint. Um, all they really talk about is how they've opened the door for for other people and how you know what happened with Spain and Jenny Armoso and um and how that shouldn't continue. That shouldn't continue to happen, which I agree with. But but at the same time, I just again like. The entire the entire show, all they kept talking about was, well, you know, everyone's catching up to us, everyone's catching up to us, everyone's catching up to us. Well, the problem is is that you are letting everybody catch up to you. like what do you put what are you doing to push the envelope forward? And at the same time, the reason why they cut up or the reason why you couldn't beat Sweden or you couldn't beat Portugal for that matter then and then what you would have avoided Sweden was because the one thing you never had and you never realized you never had was the one thing you should have changed, right? So, so the U.S. historically has won at the women's soccer level because they're faster and stronger, right? Than, than most other countries. One of the main reasons why is because the majority of these players all played college soccer, right? College soccer physically prepares you to be able to play, right? Between workouts and this and that you're in a much more structured environment. You go from there into a league which at the at the NWSL there's some professionalism within that as far as like workouts and things like that are concerned, right? So you're physically always being developed. So and not only that, again with a with the country the size of the US, your ability to pick the best athletes is at least there. Right? The rest of the countries didn't really have that until they started um, formalizing their women's leagues more um, I mean we heard it from Sarah here on the podcast like playing in Australia and had to go work out on her own so um, so you had that going for you right so no matter what happened in a game you knew you could always be faster stronger now the rest of the world has caught up to that because that's the one thing that you can throw some money at and get. Right? Any country can throw some money at it and and get the physical development. The thing that the US never figured out, that every other country has is culture. Right? You culturally grow up in every other country except for the US with it with a history of soccer right you grow up with it right so so you end up playing a sport or understanding or watching a sport to the point where you're tactically smart right and the u.s has never proven to be really be all that tactically smart not at the national team level at least from the women's standpoint and i would even say the men's standpoint too so that's the one thing you haven't developed you didn't you didn't develop anything tactically so you had no idea what to do when you were trailing. You had no idea what to do when you couldn't score. You had no idea what to do when you faced a team that could tactically adjust it to you and you couldn't make any changes on the fly, whether you're the coach or the players. Again, I mean, we watched the entire World Cup and we watched Vladko not subbing. Like you have 23 players and not a single one of your... Take the two goalkeepers out of it. That puts you at, what, twenty. So you had eleven, you had twelve, you have ten field players as subs, and not a single one could have helped you.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what starts It starts when you select the team, right? I mean, I think that's. Christy I, mean, Mews I think that's Chris only came in to take the PK against Sweden. Yeah, but I think I think that's part of the problem that you've had. Like they haven't. I mean, they were dominating, but they. When they were dominating, winning World Cups and winning the Olympics and stuff like that, they never looked at the player pool to say, "All right, well, these players—you know, Alex Morgan's getting older, Carly Lloyd's getting older. How do we develop these younger players to to fill those spots?" And then now you end up with just just player. You don't have—I don't think this group had that that it player. They didn't have that Mia Hamm type.
0: Yeah, player. but but even if you don't, right? Even if you don't have that player, you can still prove to be tactically smarter.
1: But that's always been the US's identity though they've always they've always had that it player Mia Hamm, Adam yeah. Lomba Carly Lloyd like they've had those that. players
0: right but but you've but again you've but you put yourself in a situation or in a place where you're
1: that you player's it, gonna get me out of trouble that's their that's right, their identity
0: younger players right your Trinity Rodmans your Sophia Smiths um rose Lavelle to a certain extent even though she's a little bit older now um and even the new players that came in guerma i thought was a was a gurma gurma was a i thought was a good addition to the to the squad um obviously now that um uh mallory um Swan, swanson yeah Mallory Swanson, not P. I was going to say my other P. Mallory Swanson's back now. That you know that'll help, obviously. And obviously, she was on that plan for the World Cup, and she got hurt. Um, you have Alyssa Thompson. Um, her sister just got signed for Angel City FC. But um, who is?
1: Here is my question: Who's your it? Play, who is your face of the franchise? Because I think, realistically, when you have your 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 player, your star player. It's easy for a coach to coach.
0: Yeah, but I think but I think now with Emma Hayes, I think you're gonna be able to potentially see that. I think Emma Hayes is gonna be a coach that is gonna make this team tactically smarter.
1: Yeah. That's that's probably why the coach didn't pan out. He didn't have that it player and he only he can only coach if he has it players. <laughs> or he can only coach he can only coach if his if on Listen, paper, man
0: you can't tell me team. you can't tell me in the United States you can't find twenty three players. It didn't <laughs> but the best i'm saying but it but but you can't tell me that's the you can't tell me the problem is is we don't have enough good players the problem is you picked the wrong ones
1: yeah i, I mean if i was in charge i would have cut all the players and made them try out <laughs> but i would have done a i would have done a us i would have done a us women's national team id session <laughs> and given all the players no seriously Maybe. you got to blow this thing up not seriously man blow this thing up everybody gets a shirt everybody got to sign in Old school. Everybody's got to sign in. Everybody everybody's got to pay 10 bucks. Everybody, you got to pay 10 bucks. <laughs> you got to pay 10 here. bucks to get the shirt. You got yeah, pay shirt. 10
0: bucks to try out for the national team. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Seriously.
1: That's where we are. That's where we are.
0: That's where we are. Is that it? Is that where we are? We that's don't. where we are. We just don't know who we've the players are. Yeah, you,
1: you identify them by number because obviously by name, name, the names are carrying too much weight. Everybody gets a shirt,
0: yeah there you go. all right I'd love to see that that would actually be an interesting dynamic
1: if u s soccer's hiring
0: there's your reality world. show right there, man there's your reality <laughs> hey, Netflix
1: what's up they could do it right at, and they can have the i d session talk to the the folks up at uh Jeb. and they got plenty of grass fields and plenty of goals and
0: listen, man we live this. in a world we live in the world of American Idol man we could do this. No, I don't I am not
1: talking about just anybody showing up
0: now. Well you just said that you just got to pay your 10 bucks.
1: No, nah, I'm not talking about just anybody All showing right, so
0: up. You, what did you need a professional player?
1: Professional college player, high level college player.
0: What what do you what where where's the threshold for hike for a college player? College player. Because we got, I mean, again, like look at Alyssa Thompson. Alyssa Thompson went straight from high school to the league. What if you got that kind of quality? What if you got it. that kind of quality player that just hasn't been found yet?
1: Well, we gotta so what all right, all right. So here's here's what I gotta do, right? So then I gotta go, I gotta get a gotta get a, a group together. We'll, we'll break a it down. From a coach. We gotta we'll, we'll have regional we gotta look at the players regionally and abroad. Obviously, there's probably players that are abroad. Okay, we, we break it down. You know, you, maybe it's maybe it's fifty players per region. Maybe some regions a little bit higher, fifty to seventy-five players that we're looking at for each region of the. There's
0: a there's a girl in the there's a girl in Ajax right now.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got to look abroad too, because obviously, if the men are finding success finding American players just born overseas, yeah, you would assume the women are going to be finding success with players overseas. that you know. If, if you're born on in, uh, in Guam or in a military base in Germany, right? You gotta. You can't discount those players. Yeah, but I, I would say you look at 50 to 75 players per region: East, South, West, yeah. and North, and then Midwest, right? And and you start there. Right? And who and who are my players? Hmm. Who are my players that are gonna? Who are gonna grind it out? You know what? If you don't want to show up, you feel like you're too good for it. Good. You know, we all need you. I want The players that are going to grind it out, and if okay. I find a 17 year old that can play, you know, because if I'm you know, because I'm telling you, the like in the east, right? If I got a player that's playing at a high level in the east that's you know, it's an all out baller, hey, bring her, can is she, is she, uh, is she can she play with the women, right? Okay, so I guarantee there's some, there's some, I bet you. There's a college forward out there that is just a goal scorer, no flash, no appeal, just physical, athletic, just and can just, score goals. All right. Hey, you know what? If I can't score goals, I don't. I'm not looking for pretty goals, man. I'm just looking for the ball to go in the back of the net. <laughs> if I can find a player that hey. is out there, and she's gonna. She's a one to two goal scorer
0: kind of girl. Abby Wambach was not the flashiest player in the world, and she just would score goals.
1: Right? But I don't need a poster shop, man. I don't need I don't need an Alex Morgan. Oh yeah. I need people, she's hot. She was in, you know, Sports Illustrated, the the swimsuit edition. That's not what you need, right? I I just need a goal score.
0: All right.
1: I need to win some games. Okay. All right, let's go to the, the open cup.
0: All right. Let's open, talk about the open cup. Uh open cup. Um so the MLS decided that they were going to not, they wanted to originally not send their teams to the uh, Lamar hunt open cup. Uh, They wanted to send the MLS next pro teams, uh, which us soccer said, Nope, can't do that. Um, You got to send. So ultimately, I mean, I mean, I think, I think we've both agreed via text about this. Uh, The MLS is just going to send their, their teams, anyways, and just put them in a top kit, top team jersey, right? Like, yeah.
1: Well, I mean that's part of the part of, and this is FA Cup too, right? Like you compare it to the FA Cup in in England. Yeah, that's what teams do in the early rounds. They send in their bottom players. It's a chance to give their kid their top players rest, and it's a chance to give these kids experience. Like yeah. Cole Palmer, I can remember Cole Palmer, yeah, playing for City maybe a year or two ago. And then it just got sold for what seventy million. <laughs> yeah. You get your chance, right? Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. They're correct. Yeah, they're going to bring in the top kids. Yeah, but I don't think pulling out, pulling out, is the right decision.
0: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think I think it does go back to this idea that like U.S. soccer controls this, and then all of a sudden, they like this is where if you ever wondered where the division was between the MLS and U.S. soccer, there it is, right there like they are 100% not always on the same page. They are, they're living in a different world sometimes. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to see what, what they end up doing from that standpoint. Um, I would, I would, I would be super curious to know where the disconnect is and if there's going to be any bigger ramifications because of it, because like now that this divide started, where does it go? Well, I think, it, well,
1: I think the, the tough part about this, right, and I get where they're saying MLS Next Pro needs more games and needs something that justifies that. Yeah. 100% correct. Yeah. Right? So why not, here's just a thought, here's a money grab. <laughs> why not set up a little tournament like the League's Cup, Le- you can call it the Junior League's Cup, yeah, and just bring the the Spanish second divisions and the English second division because they all have their U twenty three
0: teams, and then just play that. Well, they talked about. I mean, they did talk about starting a like inviting the ML, uh, Liga MX teams into the Open Cup. Um, no,
1: that, that that defeats the whole purpose of it.
0: What you could do though, here's a thought, and then uh, UEFA does this, just have another twenty one version of it. Just have another yeah. twenty-one version of the Concacaf Champions League. I mean, the the UEFA Champions League has it. The uh, Libertadores and the Copa has it. They have another twenty-one version of the of the. Final. They could
1: do it with the league's cup. They could do it with the league's cup too, because that's what that that the league's cup as an excuse for too many fixtures.
0: I think, not- I think you're right though. I think I think I think the league's cup would be better suited for it. I think the Champions League, the, the Concacaf Champions League, opens you up to too many teams from central america that may not have the infrastructure to be able to send uh yeah just say your team from honduras you're not you might not have the means or uh look at it's not realistic realistic, for example under 21 team to send them to go play in seattle or in new england right right like that that might be that might be tougher but i think if you have the league's cup and if you did it in a centralized location, as in like a one one or two weekends kind of thing, and you played every two days or something like that, like and now you you're bringing in these teams, now you now you're calling in some scouts, you're calling in some people, like all of a sudden now you're now you're getting some looks. I think that would be a much better use of everybody's time.
1: Yeah, but I don't. For me, where they say there's one, the MLS does not the MLS teams do not play nearly as many matches as as any of the, like not a single lafc i'd be curious to see how many games lafc played because they did play in the champions league they advanced in the champions league they um i'm assuming they went d- decent in the League's cup right so they yeah so they played more matches i, I mean like realistically the union probably could have played was probably the only team that could play as many matches as them just by because yep. they were both in all uh they both advanced in both of those competitions yep. but no way they reached 70 matches like man city did <laughs>
0: no, no 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 so no.
1: you can't say that the schedule the fixture schedule is the reason for you're pulling the mls next the problem is,
0: is you're never gonna it's never like none of this stuff was ever gonna work when the when the mls continues to be in the opposite calendar than everybody else yeah like it's just not going to work like this is it's just not going to work like it's just until until they align themselves with the rest of the world and play August through May like the rest of the world does it's just never going to work
1: yeah and I mean I know they got to qualify they got to start qualify like the round one I don't know when round one starts but I assume it starts in like March or April yeah probably and then the other teams enter yeah um but again okay you play it in may you play it in june it's the same thing as the fa cup like it's the same structure yeah. like just get over
0: it yeah it's just <laughs> it's, an op-
1: it's a it's another opportunity one it's an opportunity to get some press out of there um and it's another opportunity to have players develop
0: like, but i think it's but i think it speaks to the reason why soccer continues to not a hundred percent it's not a hundred percent bought in when it comes to this country um you and I have gone to the majority of the Philadelphia Union home games, and any home MLS league game, league match was pretty packed. Um, the league Cubs games were not. Outside of the outside of the Miami game, they were not packed. Um, and then even the the nobody cares if the team is playing the the Union is playing for the Open Cup or not, and even the um. Even the playoff game, the first playoff game was not full.
1: No, but the first playoff game was also at like five o'clock.
0: Yeah, but it was on a Saturday or Sunday. It wasn't like it was in the middle of the week. Yeah, but it's also at five o'clock. Like, if
1: it, so who goes it, to soccer <laughs> games? Who goes to soccer games, Sebastian?
0: No, I get it. It's you're talking about kids with parents, and I I, I get that part of it. Like, but still, it's it,
1: like I, for example, I had an ADP game. In Maryland, oh, I know,
0: right? I, I know, I know, but, but again, but until, until that gets itself sorted out, um, you're just not going to get people in the seats consistently. Like you should be able to, to do it like the majority of the other club teams do. And especially big ones. Actually, if you look at England or even Spain, the majority of the stadiums are always full. Um, it's gotta be any game, right? You get, you get people to come out at any game. But you yeah, don't,
1: but the community's got to back
0: you. Well, yeah.
1: So, so when your stadium, and but if, but here's the thing, right? When you look at these stadiums in Europe, yeah. where are the stadiums? Well, in the
0: middle of the cities, like exactly, yeah, where's the, where's the Union Stadium? Yeah, it's the middle of Chester, which is not necessarily the most accessible place to get to. I mean,
1: there's not any like. For example, if I wanted to take the train, like, you know, you got that brand new train station they just opened up, right? Yeah. How sure. easy would it be for us to park there, get on the train, and ride to the Union City? Super yeah. easy, right? No brain. Got train tracks right there.
2: Yeah.
1: But there's no train. <laughs> right? You gotta you gotta catch a shuttle bus. Like so I gotta ride on the tra- gotta ride a train, catch a shuttle bus just to get there. Yeah. When realistically I should have a train station right there and should have to get there.
0: Like you do at the in the Wells Fargo Center and all that other place.
1: <laughs> even DC United, right? When they were at their yeah. old stadium.
0: Yeah. No, actually even the new one's actually not far. I I've I've I took the train in or a subway or whatever it's called. I took that in uh, for,
2: for it, it's training.
1: accessible. It's it's cause you gotta walk by all the bars and stuff like that. Yeah. The new yeah, one it's like is two blocks away. Yeah, it's a couple blocks away, but it's not bad, right? No. no but no. realistically, you're gonna get more people to come to that because you don't have to drive. Yeah. So no, I'll just no, i just
0: If you gave me the option to not have to drive my car and sit in the parking lot and all that other stuff, and you just gave me the option to just take a train, just drive to a tra- train station, take a train in, take a train out as soon as I'm done. I mean, the Red Bulls has it.
1: I mean, I would tell you every time I've gone to a football game outside of when I went to a Steelers just game, took the train. Yeah. Train station is right outside the stadium. Yeah. The Red, Bull, the, Red Bull,
0: the Red Bull Stadium does have it. The Red Bull Stadium has a has a train station uh block, block and a half away.
1: Yeah. Raven Steelers game, parking at BWI,
0: taking the train. I have done that as oh no, I haven't done that, but I have seen that train before.
1: Yep. It's easy. It's just so much easier. So and it makes it accessible. You know, if I got kids and I don't want to pay for parking, right? I mean, yep. let's just call it like that. I'm more likely to go to a game. I'm more likely to spend forty dollars on a game on a ticket and a two dollar chain ticket. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I right.
1: probably have money left over to buy a beer. Yeah. <laughs> I like, 60 bucks. I agree with 60 you. 60 bucks gets me to a game and I'm happy.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. All right. Um player of the match. Uh my player of the match, uh, I, I have to I have to do a To me, it's it's got to be a year ago. um, I'm going to tie this into the on the same soccer history. A year ago, I was getting to Argentina with my family. Um, so it was, yeah, and it might have been one of the best experiences of my life to be in Argentina just after the World Cup. Um, The excitement that was still that was still buzzing from from what was December 18th, 2022. Um, I think this time of the year, and I've watched a ton of documentaries in the last couple of weeks, mostly because I was homesick for the last week, but I watched a ton of that. Um, one of the channels that I watched from Argentina replayed, like basically their entire programming for that day was the same programming of, of December 18th in the morning before the World Cup final um they replayed the game so i've i've watched the majority of the games at this point like of of the art of the world cup so it's 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 still one of my favorite memories uh so my player of the match for that goes to goes to messi and the Argentina national team and everything that they did in 2022 and i'm going to throw in my dan Simmons fair play of the week award goes to my family uh because with how Without their support, their my wife figuring out my weird superstition things halfway through the World Cup and and following them without me knowing about it, like it became this whole thing of like again this perfect storm that culminated with uh, with Messi lifting lifting that trophy. Um, That's it's funny. I, mean, I didn't actually plan this, but I'm wearing my my Messi goat shirt. Um. So. Uh. Uh. But Messi yeah. goat jersey. Huh, I got a messy goat jersey.
1: Yeah,
0: I like this. PSG. This with the, the pink goat with the glasses is, is, or the goat with the pink glasses is, is awesome.
1: It's the
0: PSG one. Yeah, PSG one's good.
1: So, my player of the match goes out to Andre Blake because he's a slide double man. He's out there
0: shopping himself, man. He's not just touring, he's out there shopping himself. He was at Crystal Palace yesterday or today. Yeah, but your boy I heard, I heard a rumor that your boy's out. Who? That that uh your boy's no longer going to be coaching out there. Who? The coach. Roy? Roy's
1: out. He, he's only an interim coach.
0: I mean, I heard I heard a rumor that uh what's his name? Um uh from uh Notham Forest. I'm not even
1: sure. I'm pretty sure He's not even the. He's the interim coach.
0: I saw some he's that
1: guy. He's that guy that you just call, you know. Hey, coach is sick. Is that guy? He's like that substitute coach. <laughs>
0: um, I heard a rumor that. Uh, oh, I saw. Not in here. I read a rumor that. Um, what's his name? Uh, is rumored that he's gonna be taking over Steve Cooper. Uh, hey, so, Steve on, man. Cooper, so Steve Cooper just got fired from uh from Nottingham Forest. I oh, would don't want nobody that just got fired. And uh and that's I and I, saw that, and I saw that I saw that a uh, uh that CP might be might be calling good old Steve up.
1: No, we don't we don't need anybody that just got fired. You
0: don't want Steve Cooper, man. Dude, he got fired. He's the only forty-four-year-old that looks like he's sixty-four.
1: Dude, we are four points ahead of the team. What is he going to do to our team?
0: I mean, listen, he's got he's got
1: outside of us winning, outside of Crystal Palace winning, one more game.
0: You ever you ever seen Steve Cooper? No. Steve Cooper, Steve Scoop, Steve Cooper, man has a has a. Has a funny, or not a funny, but an intimidating, uh, some intimidating intimidating attributes that I think is gonna, I think can can make you really like. Um, no, we don't need no,
1: yeah, we don't need no coach that isn't like that. It doesn't do anything for you, because basically our squads are equivalent. <laughs> we just have one more win, and one more tie. Hey, man. We've picked up. We've done better than what he's done with his team.
0: Yeah, apparently he he's going to go. So, all right.
1: Uh, yeah, Andre Blake is a slide devil, man. That guy is out there. Yeah, I don't. This guy doesn't even look like he can see the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably uh-huh. why his team is right outside the relegation zone. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh tell me your um your fair play of the week.
1: My fair play of the week goes out to the uh 1982 UCLA or 1985 UCLA and American soccer teams.
0: Okay. They
1: in 1985 these guys the Division 1 final went to eight overtimes.
0: Oh my goodness. So the
1: rule back then.
0: Was it the first three three PK takers that take 17 PKs each?
1: No. It went from un, the rule. I don't know who made this rule. Unlimited 10 minute overtimes.
0: Wait, so you just continued to play 10 minute overtimes and then until the game was... So going. they
1: played an additional... We Think about this. They played an additional 80 minutes. 80 minutes. The so game winning minutes. goal... The game winning goal... Andy Burke... Scored the game-winning goal in the 167th minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that can only happen in the United States, man.
1: Dude, I'm telling you, this game was—it was probably freezing because they played in Seattle. Oh, they played in a dome. They played the game in a dome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the kind of thing that only happens here.
1: Yeah, they played it in a dome.
0: It's awesome. I played it in
1: cool. a dome in Seattle. I was about to say it was probably like. I'm surprised they didn't call the game because it was in Seattle and it was freezing. (laughs)
0: That's
1: pretty cool. So, yeah, that was the second time it ever happened. It also happened in 1982. Duke and Indiana went to eight overtimes. And Greg Thompson, this has got to be crazy. This dude scored a goal in the 14th minute and then scored another goal in the 159th minute. Like, dude, you scored a goal like two hours later.
0: (laughs) At that point, he had forgot that he had scored the first goal. Seriously? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, uh next week is the last week episode of the year. Um and I i wanna th- I wanna say that we have some sort of New Year's tradition in the podcast, but I don't remember. <laughs> so we record I'm gonna go the
1: back. podcast hungover
0: over. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and look. I'm gonna go back and look and see what see what what New Year's tradition we might have,
1: which I think we Maybe do. We just try to get everybody on the podcast that we had
0: on the podcast. Maybe either that or I think we did like a little awards little award ceremony so we might do that but all right well thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot